from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The automatic doors had just whispered shut when a loud scream erupted from inside the community. Standing in the hall between the dining room and the And I would just the edit that as closely as possible to maintain a consistency of voice. Others, you know, they preferred to outline the plot and turn in the character sheets. She had us meet in a small room and uh, she had a large pad of paper and asked us a few questions. Probably about midway through the novel that I started to think, oh boy, this is becoming a handful. Yeah, I mean, you got a whole bunch of threads here. I have to know what happened to that poor woman who's being buried alive in the ho- in the hope chest and who killed, of course, the, the cook. And then the Count, we have no idea. He's kind of a mysterious figure. I'm Sarah Fetsky. The St. Charles-based company Arrow Senior Living found an unusual pandemic project for its residents. The assisted living residents wrote a mystery novel together. Their new book, The Old and the Beautiful, tells the story of what happens when a tall, dark, and handsome stranger moves into the fictional Shady Bluff Senior Living Center. And it credits as co-authors no less than 47 residents in communities across the Midwest. Lois Davis is a resident of Vitalia Montrose in Copley, Ohio. She helped co-author one chapter of The Old and the Beautiful. She said she enjoyed the experience. Well, it just kind of adds a little spice to your life, you know, to have some be involved with other residents and have a project. And after the residents finished the book, they had an even better surprise coming. It was published as a hardcover, and each one got a copy. Everyone was totally shocked and surprised that we were that we wrote anything that got published <laughs> and to see the book. I didn't think I'd ever see it again. I didn't know what happened to it. And that is Lois Davis of Copley, Ohio. That book is The Old and the Beautiful, co-written by 47 residents of Arrow Senior Living Communities across the Midwest. And here today to tell us more about this project is Donna Birdsong. She's a resident at Wildwood Senior Living in Joplin, and she is another co-author of The Old and the Beautiful. Donna, welcome. Thank you. Hello. And we're also joined today by Howard Simmons. He's an editor and archivist at Arrow Senior Living. Howard, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Howard, a co-authored novel is definitely a bit unusual. Where did this idea come from for the residents of your communities? So, you know, during the pandemic, we saw a a very large change in the structure of, of activities and events that were taking place at communities, you know, a lot more um, sequestering and that was required to maintain the safety of residents and the employees. So we transferred a lot of our things to our events to um, virtual settings. We did um, the choir practices, Bible readings. Mm-hmm. We also had um, a couple of sessions where we were reading novels virtually so folks could just listen in. And from that, you know, in different conversations, the chief operating officer made a tweet and was like, well, what if we did just a writing exercise where each person could contribute something to a larger story. 
Well, that makes sense to say, okay, let's do a writing exercise. But I feel like the way that this would come down in most things is everybody would write their own essay. They'd write their own short story. It would all end up just being sort of bound together. You guys did something so much more complicated. Right. This isn't just a novel. This is a novel that, that's heavily plotted. I mean, mystery novels, you have to put some work into that. Were you worried as you were beginning this, like, wow, we are biting off a big deal here? I don't think I realized how much we were biting off, to be honest. Um, we started off, I wrote the very first chapter. Um, Amanda, the CEO, had suggested that the main character's name be Cordelia, and that was kind of the starting point. And so I just, I wrote a first chapter, and then we handed it off to a community at a time. We would give them various characters that they could choose to introduce. They could create their own, as well as different plot points that they might want to work from. And then we just kind of built up. It was probably about midway through the novel that I started to think, oh boy, this is becoming a handful. Yeah, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of threads here. Donna, you're one of the people who got this. I believe you worked on the third chapter. Um, so you're kind of catching this pitch as it's, it's up in the air. Were you initially thinking, what are they thinking? Uh, Co-authoring a novel, or were you immediately on board? No, I wasn't really on board. I thought, what is this? Uh, the uh, resident services director said we were going to meet together to uh, do some writing of a storyline that had been started. And uh, so I thought, well, okay, I've always kind of liked to write, but I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. And uh, so she had us meet in a small room, and uh, she had a large pad of paper and asked us a few questions. And from that, we developed uh, a story uh from what Howard had begun uh, in episode one, and then another community had done episode two and built on that a little bit. And so from there, we introduced another character and brought in a storyline. It's really remarkable how it has gone about. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. And so, Howard, then you're getting this chapter that they've written there in Joplin. And then did everybody get together to read it, or how do you then get it to, okay, chapter four? Yeah, so we would um, we would post any new chapters onto the Facebook group that we had created, and then periodically we would do um, live readings through Zoom and then post them on YouTube of collected episodes or chapters. So that that's that's how we kind of moved on. Each community, whenever they first received their prompts, also received a bit of a synopsis on what had happened previously. You know, as well as just a copy of all the previous chapters, should they choose to want to go through the whole thing. So Donna, as a writer, was it hard to, um, you know, to get all the writers on the same page? Did you have different ideas for where this chapter should go? Oh, I, I think uh, we had different ideas. There was mainly one other lady, uh, a resident, we're on the independent living side, and uh, she she had uh, quite an imagination. And uh, so the two of us talked together and uh, our resident services director was writing furiously as we would come up with ideas. And uh, I named the the uh, character I had was I named the executive chef Maxine Brule. And so from there, we had to discuss about how she looked and what her likes were. And we had to develop each character that we came up with. And uh, so Howard had started out with the two main characters. He had Cordelia and Millicent, and they were the two best friends. And then this uh, un this new resident moves in that uh, just sets Millicent's heart a flutter because he's tall, dark, and handsome, you know. And, and so, you know, just like 
an old woman might be happy to see a handsome guy come into her life. Just might be happy to see that. (laughs) Well, Donna, I'm glad you've kind of jumped into the plot because I understand that um, you grew up kind of a fan of soap operas. Did that help you get the tone right for this book? Well, it wasn't. It probably helped because when I was young, I did watch some soap operas. And uh, something this kind of reminds me of, though, with all of the different groups writing, uh, we wonder what's going to happen next. And I don't know. You're probably, I know you're so young, but when I was growing up, I'd go to the movies and there would be a serial that would be shown during the movies. And at the end of each movie, uh, each serial, maybe the guy was falling off the cliff or was going to and you thought he was dead for sure, or they're going to be hit by a train. Well, sometimes these, at the end of each chapter, we wonder what's going to happen next. But Howard and the other communities come up with something to piece it all together and get it some uh, connection there. Yeah, I do appreciate this is a book that has a great love of the cliffhanger. You know, there's so many chapters where I got to the end and I'm like, so Donna, I understand that you're up for reading us just a a short excerpt from The Old and the Beautiful. I want to give people a sense of of what this book is like. So if you want to go for it, this is going to be from chapter three, which is one of which is a chapter that Donna and her team helped to co-write. All right. All eyes were on the count as he walked in. His lip curled on one side in cold amusement, and under the lobby chandelier, his monocle glinted like light catching on the side of a knife. The automatic doors had just whispered shut when a loud scream erupted from inside the community. Standing in the hall between the dining room and the lobby was Shady Bluff's executive chef, Maxine Brule. Her face, normally a little red from cooking in the kitchen heat, had gone pale, with an almost ghostly green undertone. Her mouth was frozen open. She's had a shock, thought Cordelia, who glanced in the Count's direction and found him positively sneering as he looked toward the chef. And that is from The Old and the Beautiful, which was co-written by 47 residents in communities across the Midwest. What those communities have in common is they're all part of Arrow Senior Living. And my guest today, that was Donna Birdsong reading. Uh, She's a resident at Wildwood Senior Living in Joplin. We're also joined by Howard Simmons, who really helped spearhead this project, works for Arrow Senior Living. Howard, what was amazing about this book is even though each chapter went in a very creative way, it didn't feel like I was listening to completely different voices every chapter. There was some consistency, as when you read a novel, you come in and the author's sort of guiding you by the hand. How did you make sure that happened when you had so many different groups of, of writers? Was that difficult? Well, it um, really determined, was determined by what the residents were wanting to participate in and contribute in terms of the writing. So we had some communities that would turn in a fully written chapter, and then I would just edit that as closely as possible to maintain a consistency of voice. Others, you know, they preferred to outline the plot and turn in the character sheets, and then I would I would write the actual verbiage of the chapter. So this is a pretty big project for you, even mm-hmm. beyond the coordination. You're, you're almost rewriting um, to get these pages so they all sound like they fit together. Do you have a background at all in, in writing books? Um, I have an undergrad and a master's in creative 
writing. So did that drive some of this for you? This was your pandemic project, too. Uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable. I mean, obviously, I love writing. And to be able to bring that into my professional career, working with Arrow Senior Living, was just, it was a real joy. So, Donna, once your chapter was done, this plot continued to take off with twists and turns. Were you sort of eagerly anticipating each new serial episode? <laughs> yes, in fact. Uh, I I was called on to read some of those, and I thought, wow, that's what's happened next, <laughs> and how how are we going to go on from here? But every every community came up with a with a storyline, and Howard helped give it some consistency. And Donna, I understand there was also a part of this where it was almost uh, performances with, with things being acted out. There's a director credited at the end of each chapter. How did that all work? Well, the, the director is the activities director. Uh, the recreational director at each community has one, and ours is Abby Smallwood. And so she's the one that was writing furiously as we wrote, as we told her what we wanted to happen. Okay. And so she turned that in. So uh-huh. she's kind of facilitating what you guys are brainstorming and, and sort of speaking aloud. Yes, yes, that's how it was. So, Donna, you had an amazing quote, and I'm getting this from something that that you told Howard, that Howard then told us. You described this story as sinister smut. Is that a good thing in your perspective? (laughs) A little bit, yes. Kind of like a soap soap opera. I don't know. There was one called Dark Shadows, and I'd say that was sinister smut. So this whole thing is so fun. Uh, Howard, I can just tell how much fun everybody had working on this. And, you know, during the pandemic, when people were feeling so isolated, this must have just been a, a balm. Yeah, I think it's it was a great way to bring folks together to bring a little levity and a little bit of suspense and a, a lighter tone than the suspense of what's happening in the world, the greater world. But yeah, it's... um. I think it was something that I definitely looked forward to, and I think the residents did too. So you talked about looking forward to it, past tense. You looked forward to it. This might not all be past tense. Uh, Lois Davis, that's the resident of uh, the home in Copley, Ohio, that we talked to earlier. She told our producer, Emily Woodbury, that she hopes there'll be a sequel. And after all, she said, there are a lot of unanswered questions at the end of this novel. Not only do we not know who killed the chef, one of the residents is being buried alive in a hope chest. And, uh, wow. And so, <laughs> yes. So I feel I'll be compelled to read the next one, no matter who writes it, because I have to know what happened to that poor woman who's being buried alive in the hope, in the hope chest and who killed, of course, the, the cook. And then the Count, we have no idea. He's kind of a mysterious figure who weaves in and out of the of the action, but we don't know who he is or, or what he's doing there. So I really do want to read the next version of the next book. So, so many big unanswered questions here. Howard, does this mean there will be the old and the beautiful part two? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. We were actually starting, um, we're going to be having a kickoff call virtual event later on this month for the residents. And then we'll be expanding the um, calendar for who can participate and what chapters and we'll be building on. So Donna, are you on board for part two? Oh, yes. Yes. I, poor, uh, the poor lady that was in that hope chair, but she was just the last that she knew when she was here in clumps of dirt hit on top of that wooden box that she was in. Now that's a Serial cliffhanger right there. That is a serial cliffhanger. We got to get her out of that hope chest, wouldn't you say, Donna? 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so bigger picture, in our final couple of minutes here, um, Howard, I understand you've worked at Arrow Senior Living for 12 years. Do you feel like your idea of aging has shifted during that time and as you've gotten to know people and, and work on projects like this? Absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, as I get older, my uh, my opinions on aging change, uh, as they do for everyone, I'm assuming. Um Working in senior living, though, gave me a greater appreciation for the depth of experience and interests in seniors. I think oftentimes, you know, in um, you know, our society, we tend to infantilize seniors. We tend to dismiss them. Um, and going through the experience of working with seniors, residing in senior communities with them, getting the opportunity to just speak to them one-on-one -on -one and get to know them as greater people, um, has really changed how I how I view seniors and and their interests in general. And you're not just working with people like Donna, who's who's here with us today. And as everyone can tell from listening to Donna, Donna is sharp as a tack. Mm -hmm, you're right. also dealing with some people who are dealing with with things like dementia. Have you found that, you know, that is also something that shifted as you've gotten to know them? Um, to a, a really great extent. I mean, Aero Senior Living, we. You know, we provide senior living for the spectrum of seniors from independent living like Donna uh, to assisted living to memory care. Um, earlier in my career with assisted living, or excuse me, with Aero Senior Living, I um, worked really exclusively in memory care. And being there with them and seeing that their personalities still shone through despite the disease that they were, you know, wrestling with and that was um, something that you know, is obviously taking a toll day to day, um, was really opened my eyes to the fact that there's a little level of compassion and empathy that's required uh, with working with people with memory care, but also, you know, the understanding that they are still people with desires and interests and that they should be able to have a say in, in their lives. Mm -hmm. So Donna, you're in independent living. Um, and I know sometimes people resist moving into these types of facilities. They are, they're not sure they're ready for that step. But I got to say, hearing about what you're up to, it, it sounds like you're having a blast. Yes, yes. There's so many nice activities here. And we this was the best move that my husband and I could have made, really. We were stuck out in the country, kind of isolated, and our sons were concerned about us, and uh, we knew that we would have to do something someday, and we were just so fortunate to find the Wildwood, and I had no idea that there would be so much that we could do here. Well, and, well they came up with great ideas during this pandemic to keep us occupied. Well, Donna, I'm so glad that's been your experience. I'm, I'm glad you're doing so well, and it's been just so wonderful to talk to you about this book. So, Donna Birdsong, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Donna is a co-author of The Old and the Beautiful. And Howard Simmons, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Howard is an editor and an archivist at Arrow Senior Living. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.